0: Hey, hey! Welcome in to another episode of Stummy Down. My name is JW, and of course, as always, I am here with my best friend and co-host, Skinny, on our fourth episode of Season 5, my friend. Say hello to the people. How you doing today, brother? I'm good. What's
1: up, everybody? I'm
0: excited for this episode.
1: It's going to be fun, but um, nothing's going on. It's snowing outside. It's kind of cool, I guess, but I fucking hate winter, so Paradox. (laughs)
0: a little bit a little bit you know it was funny when we were up in New York speaking of the weather it was actually not bad for New York City in late December you know we had one day that was close to 50 and even at night was you know relatively comfortable for coming out of show walking around the city walking back to the hotel stuff like that which was it was nice did you wear shorts no I'm not that aggressive.
1: I wear shorts just because it's hot as shit inside the garden. I can only imagine what it was like. I, yeah. I can't wear jeans. It just holds me up. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, for a long time in the in my early show-going career was cargo shorts in the summer and cargo pants <laughs> in the winter. So I think I even still have those uh, old khaki cargos that, man, I would load up with.
1: All kinds of things. You know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, man. The long ones? Like the pants, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't like yep. that word really. With a
0: pair of Birkenstocks.
1: I don't like pants. I just the word, I don't, I don't <laughs> like any way to describe pants. Yeah. Slacks.
0: Well, I mean, shorts are just short pants. No, they're just- You don't have slacks?
1: No, yes, I have many pairs. But you got
0: to wear slacks for work, right?
1: Yes, but I don't like the word that or pants. Shorts is fine.
0: I did wear slacks to one fish show when I dressed up as uh, Abe Vigoda from the Fish TV show. I wore slacks with that Halloween costume. How was that? That was fine. They were they were you know old, but they were comfortable. Yeah, they were good. They breathed. (laughs) Skinny. uh, Speaking of New York, stop me down fast. Yeah, I don't know how we got onto that topic, but I don't wear cargo pants anymore, folks. I do wear cargo shorts though, uh, unapologetically. Skinny. I, I had to ask you, because it is the talk of the community, the mm. New Year's Eve gag this year, for those of you who have been living under a rock, was a theatrical performance of Gamehenge. And I wanted to ask you two questions. Number one, have you had a chance to watch it because the band released the whole Gamehenge? No. Okay. <laughs> that's fine number two skinny you were not in new york city for game edge you are a 100 show plus guy you've seen a lot you have seen i mean what you went to like 10 consecutive new years or something like that eight
1: yeah something like that
0: there was a lot of talk online in the days and weeks after we're only a few weeks after but um it feels like it was a long time ago and there has been a lot of talk about people being first of all obviously upset that they didn't get the chance to go but one incident in particular some dude emailed Ari Fink who is a Sirius XM fish radio DJ saw it yeah and said you're really hurting my feelings by playing the Gamehenge set on Fish Radio because I wasn't there. And a lot of 1.0ers are really hurting because they missed the show. Right. And I just wanted to ask your thoughts on that because if that's real, it's one of the fucking most ridiculous things I've ever heard anybody complain about, ever is emailing a Fish dj and say please stop (laughs) playing music because you're hurting my feelings but because of your oh boy reputation as being sometimes salty towards the haters yes i just wanted to get a quick reaction on that whole scenario
1: well first of all just to respond to the person that trolled Ari fink like I'm not the biggest fan of fish radio either, but I mean, sometimes you just got to keep your opinions to yourself. I mean, I think that's a pretty, (laughs) I think by and large, if you do that online with social media, you're okay. Like I'm more of a lurker than I am more of a poster, but it is cool to Get information in real time. Sure. When I was at uh, Universal with my kids, which is where I was during the whole thing, it was kind of neat to see everybody freaking out about it. Myself, I'm not a Gamehead head. I don't know about it really. I know the songs. I know the story kind of. There's no way if we were in like some sort of a group discussion about like where hen should go and who's who. I'm fucking failing. Like, they're not going to invite me. And it's just me. I've never been into... I mean, you don't want to read about my capstone project. (laughs) Not that it's as good as Trey's, but I mean, like, come on, dude. Like, I just don't... That doesn't encapsulate everything for me about them. So I guess sometimes I'm more like... I'm caught between it's just a band playing that I really love and then also... They do have these weird, intricate stories that are intertwined and interwoven in their entire history, sure. so there's a lot of street cred that I give them for that, but it's just not my bag, not my ACDC bag. Oh, that was terrible.
0: that's terrible <laughs> <It's> i <awful. laughs> uh I talked to Brian Weinstein on attendance bias a couple days after, and
1: I heard it. It was good. You guys did a good job with that
0: yeah i I probably hadn't said a lot of words from the time Gamehenge ended to then and trying to process what had happened. And I had a little bit of that, you know, people on the outside, like, it's just a concert. It's a band playing music, right? But there was something very special about that moment. And as I said, you know, I, I was definitely shedding some tears. Yeah, it's cool. You're a geek. Total nerd out about it. Yeah, I'm not a geek for Gamehenge.
1: I, I, like, I am not... It's just not my thing. I, yeah, and I can't quantify it any more than I already have. It's just I sure. get it. It's cool with shit for everybody that enjoyed it, man. I, I'm I'm happy for everyone that was there. For those that you that weren't there, like it just wasn't in the stars. Whatever. I mean, yeah, you can't see them all. You can't see them all, and unless you're wombat Matt. and then <laughs> even then, I don't even know how that's done. Like you know, seeing like. At this point, like I saw Zissix and, and Scott Marks, like 400 shows. It's just.
0: Yeah. Four and five. My life
1: is just not, hasn't tuned in that way. And, and that's okay.
0: Well, those guys also started seeing the band. A
1: long, long time ago. I mean, know, they saw them. Long, long,
0: long, long before Years us. before
1: I did. I, again, like I know yeah. I've said this a thousand times. I've only seen them since 2000. So like I have the lucky yeah. ability. to I'm 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. At four point. Yeah. What I don't even care, but you know, everybody knows stats aren't my thing. You Fucking, I don't fucking know.
0: We'll talk a little bit more about the game Henge set when we get to today's guest. But Skinny on the last episode of Stummy Down, episode three, that was a, a real joyride. We welcomed in Karina Reichman, who talked about her new album Joyride, being on the road, and. I mean, I just have so much gratitude for her taking the time out. She's really busy. And for her to join us uh, on Stump Me Down was, it was quite an experience, man.
1: Yeah, that's awesome for us, really. And uh, I feel lucky. So, you know, thanks yeah. to uh, Karina, just a great guest and a lot of good things to say about where she is in the music scene and where she's going. And um, yeah. Pleased as punch. I don't know. It's, it's, love the energy. Yeah.
0: Love the vibe. Infectious. Yeah, she's factious. she's very cool. Loves talking about music. And uh, if you did not check out that episode, please go and check it out. And also check out Karina's music. She's going to be on tour in February. That's a pretty crazy tour everywhere from Texas to Colorado. She's bookending it with a couple shows in Florida. I think Miami and I can't remember where the one at the end is, but also in Florida. So um, nice way to start and end a uh, a little February winter run there. Skinny, today, though, we move on to episode four, and this is really cool. Today's guest is uh, a good friend of mine from back in my college days. I'm wearing my old-school Loyola Greyhounds hat. Today's guest is a buddy of mine from the class of 1999, and it gives us, Skinny, great pleasure to welcome to Stub Me Down, Hal Hansen. Let's see if we got the technology to work. Boo. And it says he's accepted the, sta- the invitation to the stage.
1: <laughs> do you realize you talk really slow when this happens?
0: I do. I'm trying to slow down the process. Here he comes. Hey, Hal, how are you doing, buddy?
2: Hey, gentlemen, how are we doing? What's up, pal? man.
0: Welcome to Stummy Down, man. Thanks it's for joining great. us. Yeah.
2: Thank you very much. I was uh, enjoying all the, the nice spread you guys have in your green room. Uh, waiting <laughs> yeah. to come on. That was fantastic.
1: You're just lucky to ate... fucking be here, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, hopefully, uh, hopefully those tasty IPAs uh, hit the spot while we were bullshitting. They
2: did. Thank you.
0: So as I said, Hal, uh, class of 1999, Greyhounds. Yeah. An old music buddy. Hal and I saw our first Fish shows back in 2003, actually, when Fish returned after the hiatus, and we went down to Hampton for the second, third, and fourth. <laughs> yeah, And uh, Hal was kind enough to give me a spot on his floor in his hotel room. <laughs> and... <laughs> what a few nights that was thinking back. I mean that's 21 years ago now, bro.
2: <laughs> How many people were in that hotel room? Well, it, it was 4 and then it became 3. Uh we we one of my brother, it was my brother and I, Josh and then one of my brother's friends and I I mean I can't even really begin to explain what happened with him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There was some weird shit happening after the first after the first day.
2: Yeah. So so his his, his, yeah, his his backstory was he is um, he's from South Philly. And like the the mummers parade is a huge deal for him and his family. And he was feeling like major regret of being down in Hampton instead of being up New Year's Day, you know, and all the festivities that take place around there. So he kind of just like vanished after the first night. Like the next day, we we wake up and he's gone. And
1: I'm sure they appreciated his attendance at the Mummers Parade. <laughs> I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck that is, but I guess it's great. Yeah, it's like a
2: big New Year's parade with like floats and costumes, and there's all these like all these different clubs, like kind of like bar slash club that are down in South Philly, and they all. Have their own entry into the the parade. It's it's a pretty big deal uh, in in South Philly.
1: Uh, and yeah, I'm not a big fan of parades. I don't
2: you know. I don't know if I would have driven down to Virginia if <laughs> for a parade. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a pretty long drive to go for one night. As I recall, that dude spent like from the hours of like three to seven in the morning posted up in the bathroom, like with the shower running, but he wasn't actually in the shower. (laughs) He was just like hanging out in there. It was was an interesting scene.
2: It was pretty strange. (laughs) Couple that with me being, I think, the sickest I've ever been in the last, gosh, 25 years. Talk about a joyous occasion of fish returning and they're at Hampton Coliseum, the, you know, just an incredible place in fish history. And I could barely get out of bed. like I basically stayed in bed the entire time until showtime. I probably had no business going to those shows, but. Yeah, I'm not gonna miss them. So <laughs> yeah,
0: I remember you were not feeling good. I, yeah, I mean it was
2: awful. It was absolutely awful. My ears were clogged. My
1: what were you like patient zero for that
2: year's wook flu? <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably was. I probably gave it to most of the arena. Yeah, that's that's pretty safe. <laughs> uh,
0: well, one of the funny things was um, like right when we got there. Hal, I remember you had that Vita Blue baseball card, and you taped it to the door of the room. <laughs> and for some reason, that that memory just stands out in my head. Of wow, the Vita Blue, and it stayed for the entire three days. I was on the I was on the outside of the door.
2: On the outside or the inside?
0: I don't know if it was that or if it was just, uh, you know, like a wink and a nod or what, but... Is that
2: so, like, we could find... Our <laughs> uh, I just, I just <laughs>
0: distinctly remember. I remember you being sick. I remember the dude spending, you know, four hours in, you know, a schwitz in the bathroom. And... Yeah. I remember the Vita Blue baseball card and I also remember like you were not feeling well so like I spent you know most of the days out walking around in the parking lot and uh, wow, you know and of course I don't think that those musically were the greatest shows that Fish has ever played yeah. at Hampton but I had been at Hampton 99 and I just knew, like, that was a that was a place I would always have to go back to see them. And actually, since 99, I think I've only missed two Hampton shows.
1: Well, that's funny because you guys, like, I remember when they came back the second time, like, there were all kinds of plans to go. I did not the second time around, but I, you know, I caught a bunch of shows with Josh. There's this one that it's interesting how you and I have never really crossed paths considering all the shows that I've been to with him. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we very well may have, Um, you know, maybe there was a show that I ran into Josh somewhere and you were with him, but not with him at the, at that moment. So. um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. We've, Hal, Hal's also from Jersey as well. So, and lives there currently. So MSG pretty much, I mean, we just ran into each other you know, basically, <laughs> almost every night. Pretty I much, think. yeah. You know, that's I think something that happens. You know, when you when you go to shows. But how Skinny and I were just talking about Gamehenge and the experience, obviously being in the room and all of that. What what's your take on obviously the performance being there and then kind of the some of the reaction from maybe some folks that uh, were maybe a little little better that they weren't there
2: (laughs) yeah so so (laughs) i will say in the moment i was kind of in a state of shock and you know I, i know like my face hurt the next day from because i was basically smiling or laughing throughout that entire entire experience um i just couldn't believe that it was happening and you know obviously we've heard all of those songs in different shows and different, you know, set lists and whatnot. So, you know, none of the songs are really, you know, that groundbreaking. It's not like it's a whole suite of music that nobody's heard in 30 years. It just hasn't been played together like that. So it was, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, It took me several days after to really have it sink in and, you know, just hit me how special it was. Um, But as far as these people that are, you know, it's one thing to be upset about it, and I, I totally get that. I've had countless shows that I've missed that have really, really stung. But to take it to the level of, like, reaching out to a DJ on radio? Come on. What is wrong with you? Like Super fucking nerd. Yeah, oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> Super nerd.
2: And when I first read it, I was like, this has to be a joke. This, this this guy has to be fucking with Hari.
0: You know, and then at the end, he's like, he's like, we're going to come and find you at a show, but nicely. It's like, what? What's that even fucking like, mean? What?
2: That, come on. Right, right, right. And we. We have some really kind words for you.
0: The fish fan base has gotten a little bit of a reputation for being fucking awful. As great as we think we are, and and um, the, you know love and light and this big community thing, which I think that I think is the majority. Of course, but there is this. I feel like entitled portion of the fan base, and I won't classify them to any. You know, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 generation. I won't classify them as old or young, or uh, you know, show vets or newbies or whatever. But there is a portion of this fan base that is absolutely fucking insufferable, Um, (laughs) and
2: and 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 it it spans a wide spectrum of like everything from you know what people think fish should be playing to where they are in the venue, where they think they have to be and nobody else should be there. Hint, hint. Um, There are... (laughs) That shit pisses me off, actually. Yeah, you know, everything from where they play, the venues they play. I can't believe they're not playing my fucking city. They haven't played there in... You know, 931 days, like, come on. The whole Midwest.
0: Now, look, and and I will qualify this, that, you know, there are some valid complaints. You know, they can play a show you don't like set list wise, or maybe Trey is off, or you don't like his vocal stylings, or, you know, things like, or the sound in the room isn't right or something like that. I think that there are some, I won't say good, but there there are some fair areas to criticize or at least have a discussion right like that's okay sure but i think that there's a segment of people that take it to this very very personal vitriol i think is antithetical to like this is supposed to be like the most fun thing that we can do
2: yeah and it is for For me, at least,
0: yeah. For the for most people, that's what it is. But I think that there's they're overinterpreting art, man. That's they're overinterpreting. Well, I think some people like to be miserable. Yes, I think so. When you
1: were even when you were a little kid, like if your parents were like, "Let's go to the museum," meanwhile you might not have been like, "Fuck museum, fuck showing that art." They bought it. (laughs) You just went to the museum and looked at fucking pictures, right? And you were happy, or maybe you weren't, or you were bored. But at least that you you didn't get so riled up with the fact that there was this, like, major interpretation of an outing for entertainment. I think entertainment, you know, when it comes – we've talked about, like, tickets and, like, now it's fans and, like, I wasn't there. So that – man, it just gets too wild. The, the fabric of that is – I don't know. I'd throw that carpet out in a minute. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's yeah. ridiculous. But he, people – they love that carpet they stay in it you know they keep vacuuming it and it's pretty dirty yeah (laughs) i don't know where i came up with that yeah Uh, no no no. that that was that worked our vacuum broke recently i think that's what it was
0: (laughs) That's, that's where it comes from jesus how you you work for the lakewood blue claws uh, not anymore.
2: No. I uh, Used to, yeah. I'm with the Somerset Patriots. The, oh, uh, okay. Uh, Yankee, yeah, Yankees Double A, nice. uh, minor league baseball team. I've been there, going into my seventh year there now. Okay. Oh shit. And Man, uh, fuck not yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seven it's years? gone so fast. What do you? Yeah. So
0: tell tell us a little bit about what you do with the uh, the Patriots there.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm the senior director of marketing there, uh, basically overseeing all the promotions that we do. Um, Organizing our, our um, entertainment calendar of giveaways and um, you know different performers that we bring in, um, also selling advertising on the business side of things, season tickets, stuff like that. Um, pre-game handling, you know, pre-game ceremonies and first pitches and any kind of um, you know fun stuff that we do pre-game. So it's 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 a ton of fun, man. I mean, I'm going into I think my. Like twenty second or twenty third overall year in minor league Damn. baseball, and that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it, it's been it's been great. It's been such a fun ride.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. Like, and going up to uh, Aberdeen for like Ripken Stadium, which is yeah, not even yep. like like single A, but you know yep. what I mean. And like, I loved all that as a kid. I still once in a while I like to get down to Bowie if there's somebody coming up, you know, yeah. as an Orioles yeah. fan. So, yeah, they're they're in our league oh uh, really yeah so
2: they, they've had i mean the last couple of years they've had like great we had jackson yeah. holiday at our place uh this past season we had rushman uh when he came through uh it the, that team has been really fun the last few years
1: yeah i bet and that that's good for minor league baseball like people forget minor league baseball is is a little bit more of like the heartbeat of like the entire thing once they get totally. up into the pros it's you know, the pros are the pros, but like yeah. below that, it's it's interesting just because guys are rehabbing or they're fighting for spots or they're trying to make a call up or sure. a high draft pick. Yeah. There's so many different variables. Yeah. I, I
0: love that. Well, and I think it's cool you get to do like the special nights and um, now do you have like a team that kind of plans what the themes are going to be or you just kind of come up with some of those things or you have like a Rolodex of things you've done in the past that you, you know, kind of change or do different?
2: There's certain things that we do every year. Um, Like we're always going to have 20 to 25 fireworks nights throughout the season. We're always going to do Irish Heritage Night or, you know, some of the things that are kind of staples every year. But then each season there's the... We challenge ourselves to come up with new uh, ideas that we can roll out for a theme night that you know we've never done before, and that, that's that's the stuff that I really love. We're going to be rolling out something. I I can't say what it is. Um...
0: <laughs> we get that a lot, actually. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> I love when that happens.
1: Yeah, so it's not Star Wars night.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. We do Star Wars night every year, but nerds. <laughs> so we're 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 doing a um, we're changing our identity. We're essentially for three games. We're going to change the name of our team and the jerseys and hats and everything to honor something about New Jersey ah. that uh, I, I'm so incredibly excited about. That it was my idea. From I've been sitting on this for over a year now. I don't know when this is going to air, but January 23rd is the date that we're releasing it to the public i'm literally bursting uh at that to to get there
0: okay so um i'm excited for that are there going to be like special hats available okay are they going to be available to uh the general public i knew
2: you were gonna ask about yeah oh yeah definitely Definitely,
0: because new era, my my fifty nine fifties, new era. Oh yeah,
2: we will have fifty nine fifties. Yep, they're our on field cap all as right, well. Sweet.
1: When's tire night?
2: <laughs> tire night? That's
1: <laughs> uh, Seinfeld. Oh, 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 all right. Yeah, I missed that one. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow, what, what would an episode of Stummy Down be without a Seinfeld reference? <laughs> what we're going to do is, Hal is actually going to be stubbing us down today. So, we're really excited for that. If you are new to Stummy Down, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been friends over the years. And what we do is, we pull a ticket stub at random from concerts that we've seen. And we use that music as a jumping off point to talk about our friendship, the funny things that happen along the way, the scene, obviously the music, and uh, how our friendship has kind of grown as we've seen music over the last 25 years or so. So today, Hal is going to be pulling a ticket stub from his collection. So we're really excited to get into that. Skinny, do you have anything else before we get into today's show, my friend?
1: Nope. Just like Game (laughs) Hench. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right man i can't wait for skinny to get crucified for not caring about game on the socials all right hal you ready to stub me and skinny down man
2: yes i am let's do it
0: all right buddy tell us what you got we're gonna go
2: i'm gonna take you guys down to June 23rd, 1995, at Waterloo Village in Stanhope, New Jersey.
0: Waterloo Village in Stanhope, New Jersey. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people out there that are like, where the fuck is that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Including yours truly, because
2: I'm fucking from Maryland, so where, where's Waterloo Village? It is, it, it, Stanhope is up in northern New Jersey, I guess you could say, uh, maybe
0: a little... It's like Northwestern, right? Northwestern,
2: Man. New Jersey. Yeah, they think they played there once before uh, as part of like the Horde Festival. Um,
0: they did ninety three. Yeah, June, July twenty fifth, ninety three. There is
2: no chance that they were going to play there again after what went down in ninety five. Why is that? They were not prepared for the amount of people that were there. It was a, basically a total nightmare from hmm. from the get go. Uh, parking. Buses going, taking from the, you know taking people from the parking lot up to where the venue was. Because you, you could walk, but it was like a 20, 25 minute walk, if not more. And I think there's a, a, not necessarily all their fault. Because um, I think there was a merging of the Dead Tour at this time. Yeah. Uh, that was passing through. There was a show uh, up in, I forget what the one was before Waterloo, but afterwards was down in D.C., I believe.
1: Yeah, two nights at DC on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth. I okay. did do my research
2: on that. Nice, one. nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had to look over for uh, yeah. that. one. So, and you, you, I think you were at one or both of those, right?
1: I went to both. Yeah, and then Fish actually at the time. It's funny. I like I had heard of them. I knew they played like clubs around, specifically like the Bayou, I think, in in DC and. Obviously, the 8 by 10 in Dead in yeah. Hill in Baltimore. And heard of them, never heard of My All my eyes were locked on Mr. Garcia. I, I wasn't sure. really caring about much other than that, which, you know, it happens. Yeah, and I,
2: I was kind of just the opposite, actually. I, of course, had heard of The Grateful Dead, and I had a, a number of friends who were into them. But when I first heard fish in, like, summer of 94, that was it for me. That was, like... You know, I saw my first show on July 2nd, 94 at the Garden State Arts Center. And from that moment on, I was doing everything I possibly could to go see them. And I did not care at all about, you know, I didn't, I wasn't all that familiar with the Grateful Dead's music. And at that point I was like, you know what, I'm just going to shut that, shut that opportunity off and go, <laughs> um, I'm 100% all in, into fish now. That's
1: kind of crazy. Um, and, I, and I regret
2: that to this day. I really regret it. Uh, Cause I never once got to see the Grateful Dead and I wish I was uh, you know, I wish I'd taken on some invitations that I had from friends to join them for dead shows at giant stadium or, you know, uh, other places nearby. And I was so blockheaded about fish and how awesome they were that that's the path I went down. No, no, you know, didn't look back.
1: You choose what you are passionate about. And at the, then that's, I mean, we're the same and that that venue going back to like when people argue about or comparison about or do whatever they do when it comes to music especially it's like you're we were pretty much living congruent lives just on one side of the path or the other you know it's interesting shit yeah yeah
0: yeah i i think especially in 95 right you're starting to see and Skinny could speak to this better than I could, but the decline of the Grateful Dead, I know Jerry was not looking very good in, in summer. They still had a pretty aggressive tour there. I mean, this night, the 23rd, was a night off for the Dead, but they had played, what, two, right? You guys said two at the Knickerbocker, and then that was followed up by two at RFK, and then they had a day off, and then they were in Michigan. So, I mean, they were still... Very heavy touring. So, and I think it's interesting how, you know, you said you get a little bit of the influx from, you know, the dead crew heading south on a night off. Can you talk a little bit about what the venue itself looked like? Was it like a traditional shed or was it just like, you know, basically like a parking lot that they were holding the concert at?
2: Yeah, no, it was just like a big open field, essentially. It was all on grass. The 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 lots, of, from what I remember, were, you know, like just kind of makeshift, like gravel parking lots, dirt lots, even, and they were set away from where the actual music venue was. So they were just running school buses from the lot constantly up to where the venue was, and there weren't nearly enough for the amount of people that were there. So, you know, we we stayed. I, I remember like partying in the in the parking lot for you know, we kind of wanted to stay there as long as we could, because we saw the chaos that we were about to step into once we made the decision to, to go to the show. And, uh, right. We finally did. And you know, I, um, (laughs) I made the work, probably the worst decision of my concert going life in, uh, on that day and, and decided I didn't want to wait in line for the buses. So I hopped on the back bumper of one that was leaving. And, um, yeah, that was not smart. There were no windows open in the back. So I was hanging on to this like tiny little ledge with my fingers on the bumper. The bus is like cruising up this hill, this windy road. The kids in the back seat, like looking right at me are like, hold on, man. Hold on. Hold on. You can do it. Yeah, and I literally like I knew if I fell off that, it was not going to be good. And somehow I, I I was able to hang on all the way till it got to the top, and I jumped off, and I think my fingers were kind of like cut up a little bit from like holding on so hard, holding on so tight. Yeah, and you know, I got up there, and they came on stage. And I was like, oh well, at least I made it for the opener. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. We used to call that skeeching back in the day. Were you? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You. It has to be uh, snow. And then you would grab, you grab the back bumper and then you slide down the street on the back of the bus. Uh, And then you can also skeech if you kind of crack the, the uh, front of the bus where you enter, where the the doors go back and forth. And then you kind of grab that and then skeech along (laughs) the side. But but skeeching is, skeeching is really, it's tough business. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah 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 this this was this is not uh was not enjoyable in any in any way and and then i you know i got up to the top and i had to wait for all my friends that to to get up there because none of them did this they were all waiting for the buses or walking so i was basically at the top the very top of the the venue like all the way in the back where the entrance was just kind of listening and dancing from up there until everybody else joined me
1: was there a um, guy on a skateboard with like you know years or something
2: <laughs> you know i i i don't i just remember kind of like being totally by myself up there and um just being in in awe of how many people were there i mean it was i, I don't know what the official numbers are of like what the capacity is and how many people were actually there but it had to be close to double what the venue was expecting
0: Jeez. Um
1: that's great i, I only remember yeah. that from like it festival it festival to me uh, the first time i was like jesus christ a lot of people like this band <laughs> yeah yeah you know i didn't realize
0: yeah, so this show was uh, the thirteenth of uh, about a twenty-two show summer tour, twenty-three if you want to count the benefit show that they did in Lowell, Massachusetts in May. Right, um, but ninety-five was a pretty good year for Fish overall. They busted out a bunch of new tunes at the beginning at that at that benefit show. I think most people probably give ninety-five the props because of the fall winter tour, which was fifty shows. I mean, it was an absolute monster of a tour yeah we actually talked about two of those fall second set skinny when we had chris from fish just jams on he talked about the second set from the 24th and the 25th right um, which were madison and saint paul respectively um so we do have a little bit of 95 that we've talked about but nothing from the summer and as we get into this show there's some pretty cool stats and a really good set list so yeah um let's go ahead how you have anything else before we get into the sets here
2: I feel like I should frame where I was in my in my life at this time because it's it's kind of it's kind of neat i mean sure yeah I graduated at this point this is my I believe my fifth show yeah. however it's the first one that I really recruited a ton of people to go a ton of friends brought my brother for his first show my girlfriend at the time who probably never saw fish again after that <laughs> <laughs> um and then all these friends from high school i mean it was it, it, it was it, it was like there's like a big moment of pride for me at least in being seeing all the different people that were there and maybe they're not all 100%, 100% there because you know i you know convinced them to go but there was definitely a uh, some momentum building behind this band and my enthusiasm for them certainly helps so i graduated high school on the 20th and then 3 days later this was this show and it was like the ultimate
0: it's quite a celebration
2: yeah that's awesome as shit yeah the ultimate graduation uh celebration yeah it, it was a, it's a very special show to me um you know almost dying put aside um there's a, a lot of <laughs> there's a, a lot of great things about this that i um I, I really think fondly of um so yeah i can't yeah very excited to dive in here
0: Right on. Skinny, you want to do the first or the second set today, buddy?
2: Why are you.
1: What? I thought. Well, we don't talk about this stuff, but I need a choice.
0: All right. I'll do it. Sure. Okay. Do the first set, I'll do the second
1: set. Okay. I even got the arrows.
0: You do? (laughs) Google's your friend.
1: Yeah. All right. So, Fish (laughs) from 623, 1995, from Stanhope, New Jersey, set one. Simple into chalk dust torture. Prince Caspian, Reba, no whistling, Ginseng Sullivan, into free, into taste, and then ends with you enjoying myself. Simple is like four minutes, five minutes. I've never seen that before. Oh, that, oh that's short. Have I seen a simple that short? You didn't look up stats on that.
0: I don't have a, a stat on simple lengths.
1: Not like I've, I've seen some really good simples. Everybody's like, what do you mean?
0: I mean if you want to get into some of the statistics here, so Simple debuted in ninety-four, all right, so but when it debuted it was not the meat of the Mike's groove.
1: Or it's not like a jam vehicle, basically, is what you're telling.
0: Not really, I think, in the outset. Now what's interesting here is where it was played in this show. So if you look at Simple as a show opener, now you've got some Statistics. It's opened a show six times, this being the third. That's interesting. Here's what's even more interesting is I was at the other three times that huh. Simple opened a show. One was at Meriwether on August fifteenth, two thousand fifteen. Oh, I
1: was at that show. It was the day after my birthday.
0: That's yep. Fucking sick. The next time was the first song of Magnaball on August twenty first. Uh oh and then the third and last time it opened a show was Skinny I think you were also at this one was Dix on September 2nd 2017 were you at the 2017? yeah yeah that's so I was on all three of those all three of those since the last time they opened a show going back to 95 so you've got 20 years where Simple did not open a show. So I thought that that was a pretty cool stat. 205 times Simple has been played total, and this was the 37th time. And if you think about where Simple is now compared to this version, you know, they're skinny, you're 100% right. It's a completely different tune. Totally different set. So. You know, these versions here—the the Merriweather, the, the, the Magnable and the Dix versions—were all pretty dope. Yeah. Um, as a show,
1: open. Are they over like ten minutes? Or you know, don't, I don't care.
0: That uh, that I
2: didn't look up. God damn up. you! <laughs> you you guys want a uh, another nerdy simple stat for me personally?
0: Please, yes, Josh. Does. So
2: this is my this is this Waterloo show is my fifth show. Uh, I heard "Simple" at four of the first five shows. Wow! I it. Yeah, so it, that, that it begun the uh, "the song is following me" concept.
0: Uh, I have that too. <laughs> well, and that's interesting because if you you know you look at these set lists back in the day, I mean, you know, all killer, no filler. Totally. You know, there's not there's not a ton of. I mean, there's no love and light tunes that you get in, you know, the the modern era. They have a lot more tunes now, obviously. I mean, this is before, like, Ghost and shit. So um, there's a lot more music now, so the the set lists are going to look a little bit different. But, you know, you get a a nice seven-minute chalk dust in the the two-hole here after the simple. I mean, chalk dust, that's like fish staple they play that every basically every three shows and that's an
2: that's i think that's another one that the chalk dust in 95 does not at all resemble a chalk dust in no, 2023 right. yeah
0: now it's the you know a monster jam vehicle and here it was more of uh you know seven to you know five to seven maybe eight minute like play tray you know, yeah exactly you know, arena yeah. rock ripper and the speed, I think, the tempo at which they play these first couple of tunes, it is more youthful. You know, we're talking almost like, you know, 30 years ago, 20, 28 or 20, 29 years ago, so. <laughs>
1: you got that math? Yeah.
0: <laughs> of course, they're going to they're gonna sound younger, right? But you know, sure. they play younger, too, right? The speed at which they play these tunes. Talk about a short version, Prince Caspian comes in under three in the three spot and actually when this when I first listened to this show I had heard the second set before and I'll, and I'll talk about what why in a little bit but I had not really heard much of the first set and when the Caspian started I almost thought they were going to sing Daniel Saw the Stone because Trey's like oh
2: oh uh, yeah 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 that's right yeah he held that beginning
0: he held that and then it went into to Caspian right. but then the reba that comes in um after Caspian dude
2: wow. that reeve is incredible yeah
1: I guess we're not talking about the two minute Caspian
0: <laughs> I thought we just did
1: <laughs> we did we don't want to lose followers
0: <laughs> well look Caspian I think Caspian you know here's another Magna Ball reference right everybody hated Caspian until the Magna Ball version
1: right hey which by the way so how I this is my question yeah. Why is it called Fucker Pants? Who started it? Do you know? I'm, I'm, I'm on the search for that.
2: I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know where that came from. I've heard it. It's pretty funny.
1: It is really funny. A,
2: a side note really kind of related to this is one of my really good friends from high school, he used to, when we would make tapes, he, he would label simple as fuck you on it instead of simple. Because he thought it was so hilarious that Fish was basically bragging in the song that they have skyscrapers and they have this band, and so he, as a joke, he would list out like, "Oh, here's here's what they played on this uh, on this tape," and then you see "fuck you" written. It's like, "Oh, that's simple." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: That's really good.
2: Yeah, and we still we still kind of reference it to this day. Certainly, have not put that out into the Fish universe to try and make that a thing but it's an inside joke among us that has lasted a long time i love that that's awesome yeah
1: we'll probably get an email about it like ari fang <laughs> yeah right,
2: right somebody
0: got offended
2: <laughs>
1: right fuck you yeah. <laughs>
0: okay good can we move to the reba now skin
2: all right <laughs> yes <laughs> he didn't have an answer to my question so absolutely yeah i i, I wish i had uh i don't have that answer
0: I feel like I had asked uh, something on social media and I got some sort of vague answer, but I don't think anybody really knows for sure. I think I'd asked maybe Zizix, and nobody could actually put their finger on uh, the specific origin if I'm recalling that thread correctly. But it is, it is pretty funny that people call that fucker pants. Yeah, The Reba, man, this thing was fucking just gasoline on a fire. Holy shit
2: yeah yeah it is it is fantastic
1: page is great on here there's something about this entire first set where i kind of got hooked on the page for the entire rest of the listening that i did for the show is that totally agree yeah he he really i guess comes out like an all-star here and it's like chunky i don't know if this makes any sense but like chunky piano it's like it's very prominent yeah whereas trey kind of follows it up a little bit with like the same type of guitar which is a different breakdown for me like a clean breakdown where it like drops it just it's kind of chunks up to it and then drops it it's just a different way it's played which again 100 percent is why i i love this band so much i don't hear that anymore right you know here we are like josh said 28 years later or whatever and you don't hear that anymore you hear it different was I wrong on my math. Twenty nine. We didn't <laughs> twenty nine. Okay. The clock's ticking. Twenty nine. We no. we uh <laughs> we don't hear that type of drop in anymore. And or just the way they lead up to it. It's just different. And that's what makes me so happy about this band when I see them is because it is kind of different all the time. Or it's different in eras and I think that's just something that's yeah that's really cool. And I do. feel
2: like um, you know, nowadays, uh, and to his credit, Paige has a lot more effects and toys to play with to add texture to songs whereas in 95 especially you can it, it's there's so much pure piano in in uh fish 95 I, um listening to the show i had the exact same thought that's cool that man man pa- it's page sounds so good on all these songs he's it's like very prominent in the mix of things and yeah you know you don't really hear that much anymore, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because they've moved on to so many other different interesting sounds. Yeah,
0: soundscapes, yeah. Yeah. I definitely... Will echo both of your sentiments here. Paige, for me, gets the MVP for this particular show. I just couldn't. Yeah, I kept, my ear kept being pulled to what he was doing. Yeah. But I mean, and in this Reba, that that definitely rings true. And for me, when I was listening to this Reba, I was my favorite Reba is from the Clifford Ball. And Reba in this, you know, mid 90s period was like, it's amazing how like. Differently, the energy is, even if they're playing it like a half tempo or a half measure off, a little bit of an adjustment up or down in the tempo completely changes the vibe of this. And this version had that a little bit faster up-tempo pace. The emotion of it still comes through, but it's a little bit more bubbly i feel like you know they more introspective if it's a little bit slower um which is one thing i just absolutely loved about this and i mean you're talking about a 15 minute version of reba now they're like you know 12 13 minutes right yeah. and just the build to the peak there in the jam section is it, it's just a lot of fun to to ride that that wave up you know what i mean and then ginseng sullivan comes in after that which is yeah It's a big one. Literally, probably one of my favorite bluegrass tunes that Fish does. And this is one that I really wish they would play more. If you look at the stats on ginseng.
1: It's been gone for a while. I I think, didn't we see this at Merriweather? Not, uh, I mean, not too long ago. Years ago now. Maybe 10. Yeah,
2: they don't, this one's been gone.
0: Ginseng right now is sitting at 166 show gap. You know what was interesting looking at the statistics from... This in 95. So Ginseng Sullivan had been played acoustic up until the show in Blossom three days before this. Wow. That was the first time they played it electric, and then they never played it acoustic again.
1: Oh, wow. Really? Look at you.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you to Fishnet for, for that. But 79 total... Plays. This was, let's see if I wrote down which version this was. I didn't, but I just thought that that was weird. And then this has been shelved a couple times too. It was played after this show, not again until 96, and then another 100 shows before, or excuse me, it was played again this night and then not again until 96. So it's 103 shows and at that MSG show in 96, it came out of Character Zero. Wow. Which I, I just had to note that. The original here uh, is a Norman Blake cover. And if you actually go, you can, there's a YouTube video of Norman Blake playing this like in like some small town theater. And it's a complete, it sounds completely different than the way um, Fish has has interpreted it.
2: The, the, how Fish plays it? Yeah. Really? Is it slower or faster? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know,
0: it's dude with guitar. It's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more, has a little bit more of a country feel instead of kind of like the bluegrass feel that Fish plays it with. Okay. And he talks a little bit about like what the song means and what the price of ginseng was back in uh you know this time and and uh going from the north georgia hills and and all that stuff so it's it was an interesting uh you know quick little thing because i was like
2: Yeah, um, yeah
0: i knew it was a cover um but i i did not know who wrote it so fun little fun little segment there the reba into the ginseng for sure
1: yeah free does the same thing that simple does it's again it's just this like compact version
0: yeah well in this free debut in 95 i mean this was only the fifth time
2: yeah this is only the fifth one ever yeah this
0: version for only being eight minutes like they do get into a little bit of a type 2 exploration there yeah uh, you can tell though those early freeze that this is going to be this is going to be something yeah
2: it, 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 again i agree there's some interesting stuff in there that they're doing but here's another song that is, I think, completely different now than those early days. Those early days there was a lot of, you know, melodic jamming, a lot of piano, and now it's like a heavy, heavy funk groove when they get into that jam. Yeah, and it's it's just very, it's you know, it's it's great. It's great to see the progression of this song turn into what it is now, where. It's, it's usually a, a first set highlight,
1: often. Yeah, definitely, because of the drop-in, too, with Mike, you know what I mean, which is definitely going to make everybody yes, yeah, um, pay attention when he... You know, it's just like when, you know, going back to kind of a little bit of that dead conversation, which is just, just Phil, like, dropping bombs in space, you know, in those spaces, and, and Free has a lot of those spaces in that song where it just lends itself for him to just really take the bottom out of the floor like if you hear that at like the garden or indoors somewhere hampton it's you're just gonna (laughs) you feel it like yeah
2: yeah yeah it's it's gonna shake you
1: yeah the reverberation of when they drop that little jam in there to start after the verses it's it's there's nothing like it quite honestly like people replicate it but there's nothing like fish doing it or phil doing it you know it's great
0: Well, and I look at, like, early versions of a a tune like Free, and then um, Skinny, we've talked about a song I heard the ocean sing that they Mm -hmm. debuted in 2004 in Brooklyn, and then we saw it a couple of nights later in SPAC, and that was the second version, but it went, you know, 20 minutes and was, you know, to this day is still one of my favorite versions ever of that tune, and it was the second time out, you know what I mean? This version here... You know right about that four minute mark, like they just sh- like really shift out of the standard baseline and they just get a little exploratory, trays a little bit spacey again, Page, you hear, you know, he's pounding away on the grand piano. And um, and then they return to the formal part of Free for the last minute or so. I mean, it's like a micro jam, really. It's just a couple of minutes, but they really do have a good groove, a good little bit of exploration there. And I think it was really a good sign of things to come for Free. Now, here's one thing that I did learn. Do you guys know what Free is about?
1: I don't know give a fuck, man. I I have, like, my beer in my hand and I'm like, ah, oh, it's free. I'm certainly not, like, trying to discern what fucking made this song for
0: what it is. I know you don't, but what you're gonna laugh when I tell you. I always thought it was just breaking free of the womb or whatever. Apparently, according to Fishnet, again, free is about a man contemplating throwing his wife overboard from hmm. a
1: boat. Wow. I'll have probably more connection to it next time I see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's kind of why I thought maybe you would uh you would maybe want to know that. I mean, look, that's what the the song history cuz you know, it's just curious. I was like, "Oh, um okay, wasn't expecting that.
2: I would never have guessed that.
1: That's not true by the way. Just want to clarify. I would not no. guess my
0: wife ever. And you certainly wouldn't admit it on a podcast. After Free, the band goes into Taste here, which is also another 95 debut. This debuted on June 7th. Um, So this was only the seventh time they had played it. So right here, you're getting some new tunes. Hal, I want to ask like, so you said this was your fifth show. So, like, where are you at at this point, if you can recall? Because I know obviously it's a long time ago. Like, where were you in your. Like knowledge of the catalog and, you know, we're talking 95, right? So tapes, they lag behind tours. So maybe, you know, you've got some albums, but maybe, you know, a couple of live shows here and there. So where were you like catalog knowledge wise?
2: I would say at this point, I probably knew just about everything at this point, because the time leading up to this show was the longest break without seeing fish I'd had since I started seeing them, which was only a year before. Right. So my first my first show was July of ninety four. The next one was October. The third one and fourth one were both in December. Okay. At in Philly and then the garden, their debut at the garden. So now fast forward, this is now I'm waiting six months from that garden show to this next one. And during this time there was a store it's come up in multiple podcasts that i've listened to there was a store called prime cuts out in Long. law
0: uh, shit yeah brian weinstein yeah
2: yeah 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 so out on long what island I about that. uh my friends we would we spent basically those months leading up to uh this waterloo show taking rides out there maybe once a month and the way we would do it like we pack maybe five people into a car five of us would go into the store We'd each buy, say, four shows. Then we'd get home and just spend the next month trading them around, making copies. Like, if I bought four shows, I'm making five copies of every show and then giving it to my friends, and they're doing the same for me. So we are just absolutely ingesting fish music at this point. So by the time that June Waterloo show rolled around, I pretty much knew everything. I may not have heard it yet live, but I... I, w- I knew every song that they were gonna play I, I, you had
0: a pretty good
1: handle yeah, on it
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: were you doing Blanks and Postage too or were you just doing it with friends yeah
2: yeah yeah We yeah I was once uh, that that was more of a college thing yeah but yeah like I, I thankfully with Prime Cuts we didn't I didn't have to do a ton of the blank Blanks and Postage thing because they were just such a great resource right and then obviously as Josh knows we had a friend Chaz uh, at Loyola who was a taper and I mean, we would we would go see the band in Meriwether, go back to his place and listen to it again right, right on the spot. Yeah, so
0: which I mean, in one 0, unless you knew a taper, right, was unheard
2: of. Uh, of course, yeah,
1: yeah, you were just living on yeah. memories at right. that point. A little bit after that, some burning CDs, but you know, blanks and postage was pretty huge for the '90s at
2: least. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and, and I, you know, it's funny, I, uh, you know, I did some blanks and postage trades with people that I then met down the line it was it was kind of cool it's like oh yeah hey I gave you this show you gave me that show great to meet you like it's all like it's the, right. the essence of the fish community so yeah um, we miss that yeah totally <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I mean and it's you know it's it's sharing in the groove right when I started when I started listening my first show was 98 and so it was really like the CD boom had yeah. really started. And there were a couple of kids that I knew, that, a dude that I saw my first show with who, you know, very much the same thing. Like as soon as we saw like a show, I was like, holy shit, um, I've got I've to gotta hear yeah. everything. And so he had a whole CD book of, of shows that he had traded and I bought a CD burner. <laughs> nice.
2: And yeah. I,
0: I literally night and day was burning like every show in his book and then I was also doing blanks and postage and it's just interesting to see you know where your where your knowledge comes from right because now like you know a kid that starts listening to fish now like they pay 10 bucks a month and yeah. you've got everything from 2002 or 2003 i I mean you got youtube
1: i mean you don't even have to do that you right. could just go on youtube right. and just you could look Everything. There, yeah. Everything. everything
0: is is available. A different world trying to hustle and and find shows, and then you'd hear like, oh, this was a really good show, you know, and then you're trying to track down somebody that has that one. So I just thought, you know, it's interesting where you were, especially you know, you're only talking, you're talking a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was I was a sponge in my first year. I know Skinny was too, but he had the benefit of driving to all of those shows with me and a stack of fucking, you know, three hundred <laughs> shows that we would drive with i mean it would take 20 minutes just to choose something to listen to
2: (laughs) right a a book of yeah like the gigantic cd binder that holds like 300 cds a whole
0: bunch of books over here um, with all that after the taste they close the set with you enjoy myself a beautiful 25 minute version here at this point you know you enjoy myself is I mean, I guess, and it is still, it's like, you know, the fish anthem. Yeah. So yeah. now you're getting yeah. this to close the set. This is a really, I mean, blistering version. I mean, when they get to The Boy, when that hits, it's like seven minutes in. On the awe that I was listening to, man, that place went fucking nuts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because now, by by this point, everybody's in the show. I got there before the show started, but I think I had friends getting there like, third fourth song in and so you figure by that time that this you enjoy myself hits everybody's in everybody's in a finally in like a good state of mind and and they just they absolutely tore this one apart
1: yeah the scream sold it for me like you know now when they scream at the top of that peak before they drop into the boy man god shit And it's almost a little bit primal there. Yeah. You can feel that energy. That's what I like about the experience and also, you know, telling or talking to somebody about a show that you weren't at and then you can feel that when you listen to it and then you're describing everybody's already in now, like there's no more bullshit and now it's like get to it and it's the end of the first. I would like to see more end of the first. (laughs) You enjoy myself. I I could hear that. Every show. I, I love yeah. that song.
2: And I, I kind of wonder if, it just made me think of it, I, I wonder how this stacks up as far as the biggest crowd that they've maybe played to to this point. I mean, it was, I mean, I think there were 30,000 plus people at this show. 25, 30,000 from all the Jesus. fish fans and the you know dead fans coming You know, uh, while they're heading down to D.C., I, maybe maybe Trey's release there in that you and myself Myself, is kind of a holy shit. Maybe look at this. This is this is really this is really becoming something.
0: Well, and the thing that I think is a little bit crazy about the intersection here at this particular spot, you know, if you think about it now, fish fans and and Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead related fans are. I won't say one and the same, but very much integrated. You know, if you think about a Venn diagram, the, the section in the middle is pretty big, sure. But not back in 1995. I mean, they were very much two distinct fan bases, and so I, I think it's interesting that there was this intersection here. I would love to hear what a you know a dead fan who was stopping at this one-off thought of this show because. Sure. You know, the You Enjoy Myself, the vocal jam, the trampolines, you know, that's all I I would, you know, I would think like especially like like I'm skinny. I'm thinking of Joe, you know, if he if he was at this show, be like, what the fuck are these guys doing jumping on trampolines? You know, like he wouldn't have stopped for the show. It's too fucking busy. Yeah, fuck that. Just a weird (laughs) intersection at that time. And then considering where, you know, those two fan bases are, are, are essentially one in the same now for the most part i just think it's it, it makes that this show even a little bit more intriguing
2: uh, agreed yeah there, there's a there's a drop they they drop into a jam i wrote it down and i actually listened listen back to it after the first time right around 12 and a half minutes they drop into this jam that is just it just chugs it, it's so it's such a great groove and i can imagine any Dead fans that were there at the show after the trampolines and the, you know the the weird lyrics and everything are probably at this moment like, holy shit, man, this band is fucking great. Yeah,
1: because they're probably, I would think if I'm myself at this show before I'm going to see two nights at RFK. Yeah, they're like blowing the roof off the place, and it's not like the Dead couldn't do that on given nights. Like I. Personally preferred them indoor too. Yeah. Um, because like outs outdoor RFK, giant stadium, these big places were just like shit shows of like humanity outside. And then like to get inside was like this kind of nirvana where you didn't have to worry about that because it was getting just so large. And then when you got in, like sometimes like the show would be ripping i think like the second night they opened up with like a shakedown you know what i mean of rfk that that run and but jerry obviously wasn't like into it so i know if i would have seen fish i might have been like maybe i should jump on board you know (laughs) what i mean like yeah
2: yeah. i i would think so
0: the comparison at the time this Youthful, super up-tempo, fast-paced, raging rock and roll show. I mean, the dead in 95 were...
1: Yeah, I mean, then they're playing, like, Samba in the Rain, you know, in the second set, you know what <laughs> I mean? Where, like, Fish is right. playing fucking You Enjoy Myself, you know, for the 500th time, probably. Yeah. But they're nailing yeah. it, and I didn't realize this many people were so into this band. You know what I mean? Like... Didn't they just play eight by ten? Like how long ago? You know what I mean? Like what the fuck is this? That I probably would have been confused <laughs> yeah, right. but also elated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely upon, you know, the re-listen too. You know?
0: Now I know Skinny, you are not a big vocal jam fan
1: didn't listen to it I stopped it there's a
0: nice little bass solo that Mike plays before they do the vocal jam but the end the last minute of this vocal jam sounded like fucking zombie farm animals or something dude it was so crazy (laughs) I'm not a huge vocal jam person, and this vocal jam was like four minutes or three minutes or something like that. But it was uh, I, I, at the very end of it, I was like, "It sounds like fucking dead goats and cows and shit." Yeah,
1: it just gets me. It just, it's just—it's very off-putting. It's the dissonance, man. That's all it is. It's not them per se. It's just the way that it hits me, and I don't. I as soon as it can't when they you know when they start like whatever the fuck they're doing, I. Right I'm like, all right, I'm good.
0: <laughs> well, and I was thinking uh, how when you were talking about um, you know that jam segment. I mean, there's a sec, there's a section in there where for maybe a minute and a half or two minutes, Trey goes like absolutely apeshit, like big rock star guitar, whammy bar, feedback loop, yeah. like. Just making a lot of rock and roll sounds, and I, you know, I, I, I wonder, you know, now that we're kind of talking about this influx of um, additional people to this one show, um, if you know, he was kind of feeding off of that moment a little bit, and um,
2: I, I wouldn't be surprised, and it
0: makes a little bit of sense, you know what I mean? All
1: right. Well, you want me to read through that set one again? Yeah. All right. Starts off again, Fish from Waterloo Village, 623-1995, Stanhope New Jersey. Simple into Chalk Dust Torture, Prince Caspian, Reba, Ginseng Sullivan into Free, Free into Taste, and then You Enjoy Myself to Clear. Straight up?
0: Fishnet has uh, the little caption on the You Enjoy Myself just simply says, thrilling jam.
1: I just saw that
2: and was like, (laughs) what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> but I guess I get it now based yeah, on how c- so.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the 12 and a half minutes starting around there for about four minutes. It's just exhilarating yeah. fish improv.
1: All right, I'll go back to that. I did hear it. It's like it's not yeah. like I'm not the big uh, pick it apart guy. Like, I, gotcha. you know, Josh does that. But enough, we don't need two guys doing that. Nobody would listen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Set two, Waterloo Village in Stanhope, New Jersey. Fish Runaway Gym opens the set into the Lizards, the Wedge, Antelope, Harpua into an interesting gym, which we'll talk about, that goes into Llama. Good Times, Bad Times closes the second set, and they encore with A Day in the Life. So they start with this Runaway Gym, which um i know we had talked about page being the mvp so far fishman absolutely fucking destroys this runaway gym i mean at about five minutes all i can hear is fishman (laughs) just playing it it seemed like he was hitting every single fucking thing he had in his kit and the whole version is like this frantic fast-paced unbelievable rager yeah Um, it really is and um, No slow
1: build. I thought I was going to hear a slow build here, and I didn't. Well, I'm not upset about it. I know a lot of people, like, I don't know when that started, kind of that slow build Runaway Gym, but it doesn't have that, but it, it's it's an amazing version. I didn't realize how good this Runaway Gym was uh, to
0: Josh's Well, and statistically, too. So, again, I was, I was looking at kind of placement here. Runaway Gym has opened the second set. 16 times at this point, and they've opened 36 total second sets, so only 10 since then. Which I thought I was like, hmm, that's interesting because I thought you know, Runaway maybe held down that spot a little bit more. This version here, I mean, they peak this thing at eight and then like hold on to that peak for like a good two minutes before yeah. they like kind of dial it back a little bit. There's some great versions of Runaway Gym that I've seen. We talked about one from Oswego, and it was a few years after this in 99 that I just absolutely love to this day. And then in the 97, uh, was it 97 or 98? The Worcester version, that was almost an hour. That opened a second set. So Runaway Gym has definitely had uh, quite a variety um, of styles that it's been jammed out and then you get a, a the lizards here what a clean beautiful version of the lizards and it's funny how you know i was listening to this and i feel like maybe i listen to or hear some of these gamehenge tunes a little bit differently now after new years and you know listening to this lizards and then basically visualizing what i was seeing on stage and all that stuff and it was uh interesting to listen to and this is just a it's just a great clean version and yeah. a lot of fun here Paige again just absolutely rips the solo
2: I, I wrote down it's got a really interesting like intro before they start playing it it's like this really kind of creepy thing that Paige is doing on the piano yeah, yeah. and I, I wrote down I wonder if he thought it was going somewhere else and then all of a sudden Trey started lizards because like the li- lizards is like this beautiful melodic. Song and what what Page was doing was like this bizarro, like creepy little piano. Yeah, it was a little thing. spooky. It, just, it yeah. didn't it didn't mix at all. So I, I'm wondering. It was interesting, but I feel like um, maybe that was an audible at the moment. that mm. Page thought it was going somewhere else. I, I don't know. But
1: that transition, a lot. What you're talking about, I thought that was. I know that I noted like, wow, that's interesting. Where yeah. they wound up. It's weird when you see what. That's the difference experience in listening and then seeing the show is especially nowadays is because I'm like looking ahead if, if it's going into something and then I'm like, oh, but if you're there, you might notice something different. Like you're saying like, I wonder why they did that or it sounded right. like they were doing this. Like the experience is kind of, that's the one thing you can't catch. Yeah. If, I mean, I'm sure there's like a myriad of things you can't based on the live experience and then listening. But that's definitely something that I thought about. Like, if I didn't know that was transitioning into lizards, what would I have thought that was transitioning into? Yeah, yeah, really. It's definitely different.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and then you get a wedge after the lizards. And it was funny because I saw a wedge opening. uh, The wedge opened my first show. 1998, August 8th, 1998 at Merryweather. And so I was like, mm, this is in the second set. And I was like, the Wedge feels like a very first set yeah. tune. And yeah, so I man. started to look at some of the statistics and actually I basically stopped counting because there were a ton more set two plays for the Wedge than I was expecting. What is interesting about this one is that the Wedge had you know a couple of points on the shelf including before this it it had been on the shelf for 136 shows when they brought it back on june 7th 95 so they played it a bunch in 95 and then it, it kind of was a more of a mainstay but i thought that that was interesting that it had been a bust out just a couple of shows prior to this one so love the wedge great yeah. tune on rift debuted in 93 127 total plays on the wedge too so um it's definitely got its place
2: yeah this is this is my first wedge and i i didn't know this until i listened back through the show and looked up some stuff on fishnet this was my first one and i didn't hear another one until my 35th show 30 30 shows later in hampton 98 that's the next wedge i got which It was was one of my first, like, long, you know, long gaps of hearing a song. It has to be.
1: That's crazy. One of my gaps. I don't know what game obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Huge gap.
0: Huge gap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I'm just like, I'm just scrolling .NET here. And I mean, you know, you're talking, it looks like 22 shows is the biggest gap that The Wedge has had since... I mean, since 95, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to go back uh, here. Okay. So 2003, um, and then there's, you know, 52 show in 2000. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it's definitely, I think, especially in 3040, you know, you're going to you, you go see four shows. You'll see a wedge.
2: This is, this is something, so this gets right to, if I ever had like an extended conversation with Trey, I would love to know his thinking behind how songs get shelved, like seemingly for out of nowhere for like 20, 30, 50 shows at a time, yeah. and then all of a sudden they come back and they're played like every other show and then they disappear again. I- I'd love to, I'd love to really like get into his thinking of you know why, why that happens. And, and I'm sure now it's because of a, a sheer volume of songs, and sure. they just can't literally get to everything, but. You know, like Axela, how you, for the longest time you, yeah. they played Axela Part 1, and then out of nowhere in Vegas, it's Axel Part 2, and now that's the only one they play. Like Right, I, yeah, it's, 1
0: has been shelved.
2: Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's just so, they're, they're so fascinating in that way.
1: They played Axela 1 during the Dallas-Green Bay game yesterday, yeah. Jake. Yeah, yeah, that yeah,
0: one. I Jake that. did that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that, um, yeah. And insane of Circumstance, too, I
2: think. Yeah, I yeah. 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 Which there. J-Rod played the other night, fantastic.
0: Oh. Um well, and you know, it's interesting how he's talking about like the setless construction. Like, I wonder if it's a question of they've got so many tunes that some they kind of forget. But I also read a thing. I can't remember if it was during the Bakers or one interview with Trey where he was talking about setless construction. He's like, yeah, you know, that day I start with like... A list of four hundred songs, and you know narrow it down, and what did we play the other night, you know, and he kind of looks at that, and then he he's like, so you know what, I, I put the set list together, and he's like, then when I, when I walk on stage, I completely forget yeah, the whole right. thing and and just play whatever
1: I, and, well, from uh, between me and my mind, I think it, he showed like that's he talked about that
0: okay, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure i th- I always think it's interesting too, like you know, especially. Now, when you're talking about however many, five, 600 songs that they have, that they play, it would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, what's, what's your mood? How, you know, how do you know to, to play this? I mean, you get a monster antelope that follows the wedge here. And I felt like this antelope, and I, I wanted to see if you guys agreed with me, but this antelope has a little bit of a split open and melt feel.
1: I can see that just because of the improvisational part of that. I, and it, yeah, it felt I
0: a little remember. like uh, discombobulated, you know. If you think about like the melt jam, it's disconcerting. It gives I know, gives skinny. You anxiety. Yeah, and I was like, this kind of made me feel the same way as some of the ways you've described melt skinny, and that kind of that kind of stuck out here. I mean, it's an absolutely furious rager here.
2: Yeah, I, I, I wrote down antelope jam equals fire. That's all I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like
1: you have my notes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, in this case, that's uh, that's pretty well said because yeah. there's a six-minute piece in here that, like, how could they even play any faster or get yeah. to any higher of the peak before they drop it down into the Rai Rai Rocco? And, I mean...
2: This is a, a good example. This jam this out of Antelope is when you have kind of jaded fans who say oh well they don't they don't sound anything like they did back in the 90s when they were shredding i think this is the perfect example of what they're going back to sure i mean this is just a band on fire shredding this song apart yeah you know it's they're just a different band now like you you can't criticize them for not being able to do Physically, what they could do 30 years ago. Hal, I don't think you're going to be hanging
0: on the fucking bus of any or the bumper of any buses. Uh, <laughs> no, but I appreciate either. them
2: for different reasons now.
0: Like, yeah, right.
2: Well, how, and how, how well they've con- you know come together as a band and play with each other. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but they sound more together now than I think it was just like they were. These were great and a lot of fun back in the 90s. They were dreadfest, but. I really appreciate the way they sound now, how how well they hear each other and how cohesive their jamming is now. It's it's different, but I'm not going to criticize them for it like other people do.
1: Well, it's like now you can talk about them like at a dinner party and you might have like four other people. I mean, who goes to dinner parties, but I'm just saying if there were one and then, you know, you could, you could still have a conversation with people like, me at 53 about oh yeah i love their music i've seen them for a while this is what they're doing and it would be an interesting conversation to show progression or how they fell apart and they broke up and they weren't going to be together anymore and now look where they are like all that lends itself to all this discussion i think that we have all the time that's what makes it you know they're the most interesting band in the universe to me yeah 100 percent I mean, I think everybody is trying to catch up to, I mean, it's gonna be hard for anybody to catch up to 40 years of change, progression, disappointment, all those things. Like that is a, a, a plethora of like emotions and feelings and styles and you know, changes. Like, yeah, you know, that's that's a lifetime,
0: right? Yeah. It's a lifetime, well, so. Still a ton of creativity that's coming yes. out of them 40 years later too. And I think that really we saw the intersection of the new fish and the old fish with the Gamehenge set, right? Because obviously the music is all old and has existed. But to bring it to life in the theatrical component, which is, you know, reflects back on Trey doing the Broadway stuff with hands on a hard body and all the contacts he made there. And then I think all of the other new year's gags that they've done where they've pulled in the acrobats or the band has been elevated off the stage or hung from the rafters or any of the things that they've done i think all were really building up to that game henge set so you really get that creativity that they're still exploring with now but it ties in that the basis for where the band started with you know some of those game henge tunes and then after this antelope i mean it I can't imagine how I've only seen four in my fish career and you get one at your fifth show here, a Harpua with narration. Fish has only played nine harpua's since they came back in 2009.
1: Uh, I caught one at the Baker's I think on Jerry's birthday. Right, I'm pretty sure they played it. There. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah, uh, that was kind of like cool. the world
2: is a donut thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the universe right. is a donut. Whatever. Yeah, yeah That yeah. narration was pretty. Uh, I
0: think that was the last. I don't know if that was the Jerry Birthday Show. I think that was um the last weekend. I,
1: think that was- mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have my stats in front of me, and I'm not going to yeah. look it up. But I think- yeah, okay.
0: When we were talking in the first set, I alluded to the fact that I had heard this second set and not really the first and this harpua is why because in the story trey says this is the closest stop on tour to the rhombus and i remember when i my fish fandom first started and i was hearing about divided sky and and reading the stories and learning the band and i heard about this you know this mystical thing the rhombus and there was always this like question is it real Right? Like does it really exist or was this just a figment of Trey's imagination? And so I remember there had been somebody had put together like a compilation of all of the times that Trey had talked about the rhombus and people kind of put it together so you could figure out where it was. It was like trying to put together almost like a, a map. And so I had heard this. Of course, Trey doesn't really give any indication where the rhombus is. It's just close to Stanhope, New Jersey. Of course, the rhombus is on the campus and of Princeton it, University. Yeah, it's
2: not even really that close. I mean, it's it's, not, it's it, not. According to the tour, sure, and he's accurate, but...
0: I mean it's it's in the same state
2: that's that's a long (laughs) drive away from where this show was and where it actually is yeah yeah
0: but I love this because in 2017 my wife took me um, surprised me we drove to New Jersey and we went to the rhombus nice um it was behind the applied science building at princeton and it was snowing and we you know we walk out and we're like walking around like it's it was cool when i first was listening to this show to prepare for today i was like oh shit a rhombus story which I mean, you can count on one hand how many times Trace like, really talked about the rhombus. Yeah. So you have this show, and then two, three weeks ago, the band plays essentially in a rhombus. I mean, yeah. that's got to be quite, a, you know, things kind of come full circle for you there.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, this show is my first Harpua and heard my most recent one two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that and I think not- I've, yeah, I think I've heard maybe, I don't know, eight or nine in, in between there. Um, but it's, it's so rare. And so this was one of the more enjoyable ones. Trey sure. talks
1: too fast for me. Sometimes it's like, he plays guitar, I guess, like back in the mid nineties, I'm like, I'm trying to catch up with the story. And then like, you know what I mean? It, it just goes back to what I was saying about game hands. It's okay. I just don't get it. You know and I mean, I don't know what there is to get or not get, yeah um, i don't think there is
2: anything to get it's just total it's just, nonsense
1: yeah, yeah it's just nonsense nerd stuff and yeah. um I, you get yeah.
0: what you get whatever you want to get out of it right right you know which right. is you know nothing in this particular harbuah trait tells the story of the old man who turns out really had nothing to do with the story he just walked down and walked by jimmy's house and jimmy was in there and it's then it's like scene change and now it's jimmy flipping through his albums and. Yeah. Did you know ABBA when they started jamming Waterloo?
2: I knew in the moment that it was Waterloo by ABBA. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, yeah. obviously everybody starts cracking up. It's just hysterical.
1: I cracked up because my father. It's when we had an eight-track in our house growing up. He was a big fan of ABBA, which is so weird. I just was listening to it. I wasn't looking at the notes or anything, and I'm like, this is. Why is he playing ABBA? <laughs> and then he, You know what I mean? Because I, I obviously skipped through the narration. <laughs> I listened to a little bit of it. He's talking too fast. And I'm like, I don't get it. So I moved on to the jam. It's tracked out as a Waterloo jam. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. I, I I don't know. It just sparked that memory of my dad.
0: Yeah. And then Trey basically is like, and Jimmy thought the music sucked and would be better with some <laughs> harmonica.
1: I'm yeah. not saying my dad had good musical. T-
0: and then John Popper from Blues Traveler comes out. And I got to say, how so in '95, I was also, I had also just graduated from high school and I was yeah. still a few years from listening to Fish. I had gotten hoist through like a BMG or a Columbia House CD club and I didn't <laughs> nice. like it. But Blues Traveler was a band that I was like all over when I was a senior in high school and Four and Travelers and Thieves. I mean, those were albums that like I wore out when I was a junior, senior in high school. Um, So having John Popper come out and play – this and then llama and good times bad times i mean you're getting a little bit of everything in this show you got some deep jams you've got them being a little bit fishy with the harpua story now you have a guest i mean that's a lot in one show
2: yeah it's a full it's a full experience
1: a guest that is pretty popular at the time i mean i remember seeing them at the I think it was lisner auditorium widespread opened up they were still playing colleges a couple years before that saw them right up the street at uh Goucher College, they used to have a bunch of bands play there. Like, you know, just seeing a bunch of these guys and like Blues Traveler, I was, I thought they were at that time uh, when I was heavy into the dead, was gonna, they were gonna be, you know, super uh, popular. That's what everybody thought, or, you know, not everybody, yeah, they, but I know a lot of people that I was seeing music with were like, yeah, they're, they're the next thing, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: They're, they're, they're absolutely at their peak at this, at this point. I, I've, I did a little research and, so four, the album was released in September '94. Huh. So this is not even e- it hasn't even been out for a year yet. At this time, that this show happened, "Runaround" was still the number fifteen, like hot single on the Hot 100. Uh, <laughs> and um, that year, that listening. year, it won the 1995 Grammy for Best Rock Album by a Group or Duo. So no way, uh, "Blues Traveler" is absolutely at yeah. their peak at this moment. Coming in at number 15, it's Peace Traveler with... (laughs) Runaround. 180
1: (laughs) weeks on the charts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Casey, I miss Casey. Casey. Yeah, yeah.
0: Popper comes out and and just absolutely rips a harmonica solo. And then they get into the llama, too, which um, this is obviously generations before Slow Llama was a thing. And this is just an absolute ripper again john popper just absolutely blowing this thing up and the thing about is you know usually when you get a guest on stage not always is it complimentary to what the band is doing but popper here really i think adds a, a a nice fun element makes the the end of this set here with the waterloo jam the llama and the good times bad times just like blistering and yeah. super fun and what a way to you know end the show
2: it's a it's a perfect guest appearance
1: yeah it's a good look back at that time actually when i that's what yeah. i was thinking about when he he comes out i was like man this is really like a, a period of time just like house said like all these uh accolades that they're getting how they're at their peak and they're going to like at this point He's guesting with Fish, who's up and coming, and even they were they were probably already there. You know, this is a couple years after Horde Festival, right? So yeah. every, everything is kind of like getting bigger, I guess. It's, it's, it's just a really interesting look at that time, yeah. really.
0: Well, Blues Traveler was from Princeton, which is something I did not know.
1: I did oh, not know they were from Princeton. Yeah. Do you know I went to choir camp in Princeton for like three years in a row?
0: Yes. Okay. I he sang sure. at St. Patrick's Cathedral.
1: You, know, you do know my life. And <laughs> you went to uh,
0: you Same went to the observation store. deck of the World Trade Center. Yes,
1: yes. I did that.
2: I was a choir. I was a choir. Been guy on some well. previous episodes. Okay.
0: You, were you were a choir
2: guy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Concert choir and madrigals in high school and uh, midnight mass. Not not a ton of that, but like going on choir trips in high school to like Montreal and Virginia Beach, Atlanta. And then Josh knows I would did it a little bit in the, uh, in Loyola. Right? Yep. Was that like yeah. an elective? The, the chimes, no, it was a, The chimes, uh, a, right. Yeah, yeah. It was an acapella group. Uh. Yeah. I was one of those guys. The B sharps. Yeah. It was fun though. We, we like uh, that.
0: here we comes came, trouble.
2: We came <laughs> so, we, we came so close my senior year to, uh, learning the fish acapella version of Freebird. Uh, Uh, we we got we got like half maybe maybe a little less than halfway through it learning it and then everybody was basically like this is way too fucking hard we can't do this (laughs) (laughs) fuck that
0: yeah that's funny
1: yeah Uh, it almost happened that's awesome dude
0: Well, the band wraps up the show with an encore of Day in the Life Beatles cover here, another tune that they debuted in 95. So I think that that's pretty cool. You know, just looking at this show overall, you got a few tunes that are relatively new to being live play. Interesting about Day in the Life, talk about some shelves. This one has been on the shelf since, let's see, uh, The Met on December 3rd, 2019. So it has not been played in 4.0. And it was also not played in 2.0. So maybe they have a wow. thing about evenly numbered generations of fish and day That's in weird. the life. Um, it's sitting at 143 show gap now. I know this is for, especially for the, the Beatles heads. This is always um, a good one to see, you know, and I, you got some good covers here to, to close the set too. I can't go wrong with the Beatles, you know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, you're leaving with John Popper. Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. I mean, that's a good. That's. A, I mean, that's just got to send you home like super stoked. And I hope you didn't ride the back of the bus back to the parking lot.
2: No, 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 no. I don't. I don't remember exactly how we got back at that point, but uh, I did not ride uh, any <laughs> any part of a bus that I should not have been. Were you
1: uh, like selling Sammy Smiths or anything, or were you just? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet.
2: I mean, that didn't. Uh, <laughs> when I did the whole summer, I did the whole summer tour of '99, and that's when we got into selling water and grilled cheese, and uh, with some Loyola friends, and we paid for our way through the tour that that whole summer. So, it was a
1: good way to do it, man. That it was. was. The I mean, we never way to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was. I remember doing that whole tour. and There was a period of like two weeks where I never even spend a dollar of my own money we were just recycling everything that we made every night it
1: was great yeah that's that's the shit that that's what i mean it's like again that mid 90s early to mid 90s even just remembering that stuff and people were doing all that stuff yeah. just to make sure that they were funding tour nowadays people started an instagram account or something i don't know Sell shirts on Etsy. Sell shirts on Etsy,
0: that's
1: right, that's right.
0: Let's take a look back at the second set here from Waterloo Village, June 23rd, 1995, in Stanhope, New Jersey. always love when the band plays on the home turf, the motherland, you know what I mean? They open the second set with Runaway Jim into The Lizards, The Wedge, Run Like an Antelope, Harpua into a jam of ABBA's Waterloo featuring... The harmonica play of john popper into llama good times bad times closes the show and they encore with the beatles a day in the life so a pretty good show there for house fifth and hey man thanks so much for coming on this was a lot of fun talking about this one i absolutely love listening to this i don't know a ton of summer 95 you know we've talked about it you generally like you know my kickoff year is 98 right so like i know yeah. a lot of 98 99 i did you know 15 shows that year and then every year after that i think skinny's kind of a little bit the same with 2000 as his like starting year and so when you get to exploring the years prior to you know when you get on the bus i think it's Fun, not only because you're learning about a different period of the band but looking at the set list a little bit differently from when you started how they changed in in sure. that period and uh, you know the the show selection is just so expansive and you know you don't know what you don't know so getting into a show like this is is a lot of fun and uh i really uh, i'm glad you joined us today man this was this was great
2: yeah th- thanks for having me this is this is great the, like i said earlier that this show is very near and dear to me for a variety of reasons and to have the chance to listen to it again and talk through it with you guys. It was, uh, this is a treat. So thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, man. And and the best part about it is now it's like, I know you've been buddies with Josh, but I can't wait to see you at a show. And yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're already, I mean, I think the crew for Dover is going to be, uh, pretty large uh, it's, okay. it's going to be very interesting to see yeah. uh and now after so many years of doing this and like all the people that we've met through this and i'm just uh really appreciative and, and filled with gratitude that you came on and told yeah. your story it's, it's thank awesome you dude. thank yeah, you thanks, thanks a lot i appreciate
0: it yeah man go greyhounds class of 99 yeah. there we
1: go let's <laughs> do it go hounds i graduated from loyola too with my masters so yeah i think um,
2: you mentioned that when we did the pre record
1: yeah 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 uh but yeah, where, where I mean, did you go undergrad university of baltimore so oh, okay. not, not as cool
2: <laughs> yeah that's all right
0: yeah oh uh, we had we had some times back in. i didn't uh, see
2: game henge either so. <laughs> <laughs> now you're not missing much it was terrible <laughs> it was, Hot it was takes
0: hey if you are looking to pick up any fresh gear they're on a little bit of a hiatus right now but their website is still up the lot by primal soup go check them out they have all sorts of great stuff those shops are amazing and uh your favorite podcast is also represented there on the lot by primal soup and of course our buddy scott mitchell at fan designs love that dude he's got some just killer gear. Everybody knows. He's got pins. He's got hats. He's got t-shirts. A lot of goose. Any any band in the scene that you're looking for, check out Fan Designs with a Z. And uh, tell them Stubby Down sent you. Right on, man. Guinea, great work as always. Love you. We want to thank Hal Hansen uh, for joining us today, stubbing us down on a great show from June 23rd 1995 in Stanhope New Jersey at the Waterloo Village the second of only two times Fish played there so that's kind of a cool thing to look at too when you get to go to a venue that the band has only visited once or twice Um, that makes these shows just a little bit more special I think great to relive those memories with Hal and great to spend a little bit of time with an old college buddy hey if you want to check us out you can follow us on the socials we are on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down We're also on Instagram and threads and blue sky and all that stuff. Just Google stub me down, dude. We're everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Uh,
0: You know, if, if anybody's even still listening, they fucking know where to find us. They are. (laughs) Why do you have this? don't
1: sell yourself short. You're an incredible slouch. Incredible slouch.
0: Hey, thank you. (laughs) If you are still listening, we appreciate you. And, we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Thanks, Hal.
2: Hey, Hal. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.